generally in my training, um, I would build like the power using like off the rack or off the blocks. And then maybe the last two weeks, the last one week before I want to hit a large lift, I'll use a tsunami bar. And that really kind of brings out the speed after I really build the power. And again, kind of reinforces their form and I'll be right ready to go to the competition. Welcome to the Bar Bend Podcast, where we talk to the smartest athletes, coaches, and minds from around the world of strength. I'm your host, David Thomas Tao, and this podcast is presented by barbend.com. Today, I'm talking to Nicholas Camby, one of the world's top strongman athletes in the men's 105-kilogram weight category. We talk about his strongman origins, including training at a famous gym I used to frequent, and how the sport has grown over the past decade. What's the future of strongman look like? And what are those weird-looking floppy bars Nicholas is famous for training with? All that and more in this episode of the Barben Podcast. But before we get into that, I want to give a quick shout-out to today's episode sponsor, Athletic Greens. I first tried Athletic Greens back in 2012. It was already a massively popular daily supplement, and since then, they've undergone dozens of formulation tweaks, each an improvement on the last. It's the rare all-in-one green supplement that's NSF certified, a must for competitive athletes, and also tastes delicious. I'm probably a bit biased because I love the subtle notes of pineapple and vanilla. Interested in trying it? Visit athleticgreens.com forward slash barbend to get a free gift with your purchase. Now let's get on to the show. All right, Nicholas, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, for those who might not be super familiar with your accomplishments in the sport of strongman, how long have you been competing? What class do you compete in? And you know, what's maybe your, your, your proudest accomplishment so far? Cool. Hey, well, thank you for having me on, David. Of course, it's, it's a pleasure. Um, so I'm competing in, this has been nine years um, this, this past spring, or this spring right now, we're almost in the summer. Um, so I would kind of, kind of almost consider this like my 10th season. So I'm in progress of my, of my, of course, um, 10th season right now. Um, I've of course stuck to competing to the, the 105 kilo or 231, um, categories, just, so it's of course a weight that I've always kind of been at. I have jumped into the amateur heavy contests, but I, I would think that most likely I might potentially be a hundred a lifer at 105 kilo. Again, I enjoy just the body weight, maybe one day to the heavyweights, but right now my focus is 105 kilos. Um, and then in terms of accomplishments, um, so I would say that I turned to pro when I was 20 in 2015 and that was great. So of course won my 105 kilo pro card, but since then I haven't won a contest. I went on a six year drought, which was again, tough, but I think you learn a lot in that, in that drought. Again, every contest is you can do well, but you're still unsatisfied. So you keep pushing for more. Um, so going into, um, of course this past contest, I would say clash the coast, um, given that it was 11 events, but not only 11 events, almost like 18, 19 implements that you had to train for, which is generally a lot of times you maybe have five or six implements that you need to train for a contest. Um, this was the most challenging. And then of course, come in day three, when everybody's beat up and tired, like, can you really perform on the, on the final stage? And I had probably one of my best performances. So I would say clash on the coast is probably the biggest uh, accomplishment I've had 
um, up to date. But of course, I've had other top accomplishments in terms of uh, second um, at World Strongest Man in my weight class back in 2017. Um, I podium at America's Strongest Man 105 kilo a couple times, taking second and third. Um, and, then, and then, of course, I have various other kind of um, I would say other contests where I've, I've podium, but quite wasn't, I was always the bridesmaid, but not quite the bride. So I'm glad that I was able to get that monkey off my back. Well, one awesome thing about Clash on the Coast, not, not only did you, you know, come away with the victory, um, but you set a, a fantastic record in the axle clean and press. I mean, it was kind of the talk, it was kind of the talk of the town in the strongman community, um, which is not always the biggest community. And so it's one we really wanted to highlight. We posted about it on social. We wrote about it. Uh, tell us a little bit about that, that axle clean and press world record. What did you end up with? And, you know, is that something that going into this contest, you, you thought you had a legitimate shot to take? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, I was a pretty excited one that was in the, in the contest. So, um, so the, of course the, originally my goal was uh 418, but of course they came really close with 417, just given the weights and the small change plates that they had. Um, so we went with 417 and I was pretty confident I was able to hit it. Um, I, I hit, a couple months prior, I hit 415, and that wasn't that wasn't even using an axle. That was, of course, working on like muscle cleans and uh, power cleans and doing my regular push press and split jerk work. Not even not necessarily all together, uh, but just I built a good foundation. I was able to hit um, something good in training, so I knew that if I got to kind of continue on that path, I was going to be there. Um, and, I, and again, I was actually. I got to the point where it's like, do I go for it? Go, go for the record. If I get pushed again, it's the third day of competition. Of course you don't want to risk injury, but there's not many opportunities where we're such in a, in a big spotlight for the 105 kilos. So this might be my only shot. Um, but, but Axel clean and press has always been actually a good, um, event of mine. So, um, for the most part, um, I think back in 2014, I hit 395. Um, and then 2015, I had two Axel contests, max axle contest where I hit like 380 and 385 in competition. Um, I kind of, that's, that's why I just needed to do to win at the time, but then I haven't had a max axle since. So just even like, again, this is my first max axle within my, even you could say within the six years I've been competing as a pro within my pro career. So I was very excited once it was, uh, it came about. And that, I, I think a lot of the, of course, um, the background in terms of having a good axle came from being, um, of course, kind of my Olympic lifting that started when I started strongman, probably like a year after I started strongman, I took up Olympic lifting at the same time. Yeah, it's always interesting to see. You can always tell which strongman competitors have an Olympic lifting background because it's just the the, the nature of the movement is a little bit. Uh, it's a little bit different. Some would say a little bit cleaner, a little bit a little bit faster. One thing I want to talk about when it comes to your training, something that you're kind of famous for online. It's not, I think people have the misconception it's the only way you train. It's not, I'm sure, but the tsunami bar uh, the, or the earthquake bar. I don't know exactly. Yeah, what the, you, yeah tsunami bar. Tsunami it's, bar. Well, all, all, anything that flops is always like a natural disaster bar, but <laughs> so. Uh, <laughs> that's a good way to, that's a good way to put it. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. If, yeah, it's a nat- if it's, if it's flopping around and making the movement more challenging uh, in some way, it's a natural disaster bar. Great. Got it. Well, tell us about how you first came across that implement and how you've gradually incorporated it into your training. It's something that I'll admit, we've posted some of your lifts with it before online and people are kind of like, what the heck is going on? This isn't legit. This is kind of stupid. But we're kind of like, well, 
Nicholas Campy's a, a really accomplished athlete. He's on to something here. It's clearly something that is working in your training. Tell us about how you first came across it. Sure. Uh, so I, I think the one of the reps reached out to my gym owner, um, CJ Murphy, um, back in 2015, 2016. So he had the, the, their middle bar, which is their, um, which is their force bar now, which back then was level three. Um, so it, it, you can't put the most weight on it, but you can still put about 30, 300, up to 300 pounds pretty comfortably and be able to kind of press that. So I saw that in the gym. I started kind of messing around and I liked it, but then gradually over time, um, and I think it took me, let's say I, I was using the bar for about three years before they ever kind of brought me on as an ambassador. Um, so, but for the, what I, what I realized it was that, um, of course it makes the, especially in the application of pressing and so far pressing has been my like favorite application for it. Um, it really, I would say really reinforces, um, form because if you, again, if you have too much of a knee bend or if you're not doing the proper, again, if you're not, again, pushing your head through in the left, or if you're not, um, in a good solid stance, when you, uh, in a good solid split stance, when you catch the bar, for instance, it's, it's really going to humble you. So if your form is not on, is not precise, it's gonna you're gonna fail a lift. So that's I think that's kind of one thing that I really kind of I I, I watch really. Of course, I, I realized right off the bat. Um, second piece was um, just I was able to get to a certain speed that I never was able to do with a regular bar. So of course, certain part of the movement is are harder. I would say potential the stick it, 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 of course makes the sticking points much uh, much more difficult. Um, but also at the bottom, you really have to kind of brace and really kind of force that bar up. And again, if like, especially in Olympic lifting, not only do you have a great bend, but you're also kind of like trying to get the bar off your chest or kind of body pop it up. Um, so it really forces, again, really forces the mechanics. Um, but again, then the stability really comes in there in terms of really kind of pounding that when it comes to, um, again, this, it doesn't only flop up and down, but when you get to a certain way, it also kind of moves you back and forth. So, um, again, there's a, there's a, degree of difficulty um in that sense but um oh yeah so within the first few years i kind of realized that and then uh, as i kind of progressed it, it turned into kind of my like finer tools so like let's just say like for instance you're you have a certain technique and you're kind of sandpapering it down you use like the hard the hard sandpaper first and then you use the finer piece so um i started so of course generally in my training um i would build like the power using like off the rack or off the blocks and then maybe the last two weeks the last one week before i want to hit a large lift i'll use a tsunami bar and that really kind of brings out the speed after i really build the power and again kind of reinforces their form and i'll be right ready to go to the competition so probably with, coming into this last clash of the coast training i used the last two weeks to really refine my form refine my speed and i was, I was ready to go I love that analogy using sandpaper because if you ever had to like, I was recently had to sand down the handles of some kettlebells to to clean some rust off. And yeah, you have to start with like the coarse sandpaper and work it down to the fine. And that's such a good analogy for approaching a competition and heading into a competition. Absolutely. So you want to peak, you want to peak, and I feel like it's a great tool for for me to peak. But again, there's many different applications for it. We'll get back to the conversation in just a moment. But first, a quick shout out to our episode sponsor, Athletic Greens. Athletic Greens is the daily all-in-one supplement with vitamins, minerals, probiotics, adaptogens, and more to help your body perform at the highest level. It mixes easily, tastes delicious, and is a personal favorite way for me to start the day. And yes, I actually am a repeat customer. Visit athleticgreens.com forward slash today to check it out. Now let's get back to the episode. 
when when you're approaching a competition, so like Clash on the Coast is a good example. You start using the tsunami bar a couple weeks out to refine your technique and and work on some of the timing and tempo, which I think people underestimate for these lifts. Tempo can be everything. If your timing's off by a couple milliseconds, game over. What are some other what are some other strategies you're using? heading into a competition? Do you do kind of a prescribed deload? Um, you know, everyone kind of approaches it a little differently and I'm curious how you do. So the last uh, seven weeks was a three-week a three week block, a deload week, a two-week block, deload, and then competition. Um, so that's, I think that's kind of how I kind of set it up, but I've done, I generally like the three-week blocks into a kind of deload and the deload, of course, it's, you're going 50% or taking the time off, but also that's a Good to, sometimes I'll bring in like the tsunami bar for like light work then, or do like light split jerks, or just kind of do some of my speed movement, something that's less taxing. Um, again, during that time, but going into, um, I would say like for instance for clash, um, I tried the clash was a three day, of course a three day contest, so I try to do three heavy days in a row at times. Or do two heavy do two heavy days in a row. So I try to mimic mimic the the competition um, in a sort of sense in, in, in terms of my training. So because I'm gonna have to get used to like the competing with some sort of fatigue, right? So like we have one day of fatigue, two days of fatigue, and then can you really still perform that day three? So so sometimes for one day contest, again, you, you can almost work out like every other week. But like if there's a two day contest, I generally try to do like two days pretty hard and that's sometimes maybe coming off the deload I'll, I'll come out I'll, I'll work out Saturday and Sunday and then but for instance I think for um, I was coming off the deload after so I did the three weeks deload going into the two weeks I did I think Saturday Sunday Monday and that Monday was very very difficult but I think since push pushing through that and then able to recover greatly without getting hurt I think that that I think that gave me kind of an edge especially going to the last day. So for a contest like Clash on the Coast, when you have, I mean, you're working across three different days, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19 implements potentially that, I mean, because you have some, you have some medleys, you have your single lift events as well. Training for that is, is tough just from a logistics standpoint, right? I mean, you, not, not everyone has all of those implements ready and even just setting that up in a gym environment or a training environment can be tough. So tell us about where you train and you know how that's influenced how you train. No, absolutely. So uh, my main gym, um, Total Performance Sports in um, Malden, Massachusetts. So that's where I, I do the bulk of my core work, and that's where I do most of my my weekday work. Um, on the weekends, I'll travel to uh, Stoneham, Massachusetts, to Titan Barbell. And of course, I have a lot of great friends, and um, and of course, I kind of have a mentor over there, and um, Eric Dawson, who of course, well, I would say, Eric, I don't have this equipment, but how can I train for? And he'll give a lot of suggestions, and he's been in the sport. Um, I would say probably four or five years prior to me even starting the sport. So he has some great experience, not only domestically, but also kind of internationally. So um, between, but between total performance sports, um, Titan barbell. And of course, one of my friends, Jim, uh, Michael Connor, we actually had a lot of the, I would say kind of the implements kind of covered. Um, but I would say, again, since it was so many implements, a lot of it, it was, first of all, you got to focus on um, of course your, again, a lot of times the strongman comes down to the points so you have to focus on your weaknesses and where you're losing the most points. So generally that's for me, static lifting. So, so squat and deadlifting, since there was a squat in the qualifier, the deadlift in the finals, that was the, I would say the kind of the first focus was of course planning around those. The axle was, is going into, was one of my better events. So I kind of slowed down training after I was able to kind of hit a big one during, um, 
two months prior. Um, and then the rest was kind of, if I was able to touch some of the implements, maybe two or three times at least, then I would have a pretty good feeling for it. Um, but again, if there's a, a certain um, implement or a certain event that I, I believe that needed more work for me, it was uh, keg throws. So I spent a lot of time throwing. That was actually my probably worst event of, of that weekend. It was, so I think that's the only event I actually underperformed, because, but I did spend a lot of time trying to get that going. But I knew that was going to be a challenge. So I did that maybe six or seven times compared to some, like for instance, like the Fingal Fingers, I might have trained two or three times. Well, I know a lot of bars in the Boston area that could use help moving their kegs from the basement up to up to the up to the main. So you you might be able to get some practice in there. Speaking of TPS, so I got to ask. I actually used to train at TPS way back when. I mean, we're talking bef- way before its current location. So this is like so 2010. Of, and so this is so that would be in, in their ever location. Yeah, that would be in the Everett location. Uh, how's the gym these days? How's Murph doing? CJ Murphy, got to bring him up. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Murph's doing great. Um, so of course that 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 location was was pretty special because that was, um, of course, that's when I I first joined in 2012. And of course, you had the shed out back, um, and then of course you had a lot of different, um, of course, a lot of different kind of groups coming together, a lot of like Olympic lifting, powerlifting, and stuff like that. But um, going into of course the Malden gym, yeah, it's, I would say right now, I think of course with a lot of the restrictions in Boston coming off. And of course, um, things, I was then getting more optimistic after the pandemic. The gym's re- really busy right now. Um, so I think we're, of course, kind of been kind of firing away. And then of course, uh, Mur- Murph's, Murph's doing well. He's, he's, again, biggest goal is for him to kind of, he's of course always focused on kind of staying healthy. Uh, but again, he's, he's been coaching away and, um, and of course, lifting away. That's that's awesome. Yeah, if you're ever in the Boston area, folks, check out TPS. A lot of history in that gym, and a lot of really really accomplished lifters have uh, have gone through it over the years. I'm not putting myself in that group. A lot of accomplished lifters have gone through there. I have also been there. So if you're in the Boston area, uh, definitely check it out. Uh, Nicholas, I want to talk a little bit about something you mentioned earlier. You're kind of a call it a, a at this point, pretty much lifelong 105. You've, you've dipped into amateur heavy, but I think a lot of people don't realize, and one thing I want to talk to you about is the difference between the 105 category in strongman and the heavyweights. It's, it's, not, like, it's not like a lot of sports at lighter weight. I mean, Olympic weightlifting, it's the same, same way, right? It's 109 kilos, and then you have super heavies above that. And if you've never competed in the heavier weight classes, it's a little, it gets a little bit confusing or you might underestimate what it takes to move up a weight class because you know it's not like oh i'm gaining 10 pounds i'm gonna put on a little bit of size and we compete at a heavier weight class if you really want to compete as a as a in the open category and you have experience at 105 i mean folks have to put on 60 70 80 100 plus pounds. I was talking to Rob Kearney about this because he moved from, you know, kind of the 105 or around that body weight. And he's still working on gaining weight here years later to compete in the open category. So, you know, tell us a little bit about the times you have dipped your toes into going heavier and, you know, what you think it would take if you were to actually make that transition. Not saying you're going to, but. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think for, for the most part, um, so of course the heaviest I've gone uh, in a, I've done a few like amateur heavy comp. I've done three amateur heavy Arnold's. So of course they're, they're the main kind of amateur heavy contest of a kind of the world. Uh, again, of course, winner gets to go compete on the pro stage. So that's of course um, a bit great opportunity for anybody that's able to get there. Um, so in the, in those ones, I've actually have come in 26th, 11th and like 27th. 
So I, again, I've had, I was able to beat a number of individuals, but again, I wasn't able to make it to the third day. Top 10 makes it to the third day. And one day in one, in one of those years, I took 11. So that was a, that was a big sting. Um, but again, that's only on, uh, and that's me as a pro 105 competing with the amateurs. But, and then again, that gets exemplified going over, but I think it's, I think it's fair. I think for, you have, of course, kind of like Rob and Kenneth Ferris or the kind of the lighter, um, heavyweights but again both were like 105 kilos and but again they're doing great right now but it, i think it takes it right, being anywhere between depending on your height anywhere between 280 and 300 but there's that extra level of commitment so right now i have a, of course a great commitment when it comes to recovery i go of course i do um the chiropractor sauna uh physical therapy and also get body work done regularly um going to the heavyweight that's gonna have to probably increase and then again food intakes gonna increase and again you're taking an extra um a lot more time and a lot more effort to to kind of gain all that weight so of course you're taking on all that much risk when it comes to your health as well so that's extra monitoring and again that all that adds up in terms of bills but also time so again it's going to that commitment especially for uh, 105 kilo jump to heavyweight again it's a lot of time and yeah, again, time and effort commitment. Yeah. And I mean, you talk about, you know, budget, uh, you're, you, you have to be a little bit more focused on recovery. That's not cheap and it's not cheap to gain weight. If you're trying to, if you're trying to, you know, not eat fast food and actually get some quality nutrients in to, to gain that mass. I mean, your grocery bills kind of go through the roof. So, um, I'm glad you brought that up. What, 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 Wait, were you at when you were competing as an amateur heavy? Hmm. I, I started at, um, actually we'll, we'll flash back more to college in my last year of college, I wrestled heavyweight. So I was actually 245 when I wrestled that. So I was almost like naturally kind of in the weight class. And then, um, in my last year was 2011. And then after that, I dropped down to like 225. And then when I started strongman, I was around like 225. I think my first contest, I was 228. So after, I think after my first contest, I gained a few pounds. So I was starting to cut weight for every contest from the second contest on. Um, and then I stayed around like 240, uh, generally in terms of contest. But then I realized that other individuals were, wa- were water loading and water cutting right before the contest since there's 24 hour weigh in. So I wanted to, um, of course be a little more competitive. So I started getting into like the, two, the uh, heavier 240s, sometimes 250s and cutting down and again, being a bigger size and cutting down, like give that's another kind of dimension, another, um, advantage there. Um, for the most parts, but, um, but yeah, but to answer your question, I mean, yeah, anywhere between like 227 and, um, 250 for, for the okay. cuts. Okay. I've heard some people that can, I've heard some people kind of, uh, you know, when they dip their toes into the heavy waters, they'll put on like 40 pounds and a lot mm. of it water weight, obviously. But Absolutely. Seems like you were nothing, nothing like too crazy. You probably, uh, looked fairly similar to, uh, mm. when you compete as well, a five. It's just like anything. It's uh, the, the heavier go, the more, again, the more risk of you not making weight or not, not feeling good, but also, um, again, it's, it's, it's a, it's a bigger task. And then you're going to, sometimes you're going to need diuretics. You're going to need to take a longer time, maybe t- time of work. It really depends on what you're able to do. And again, what you're like, what's the, again, managing that risk of potentially not making weight or performing right because you wanted to be giant going into the contest. So it, it really depends. Who are some, some folks that you, uh, that you admire in the, in the strongman space? Uh, right, right now we're starting out or yeah, right. Call it, call it right now. 
Um, so of course I, I would say, um, I, I would say a lot of times, it, of course it was, I'd say a lot of like the 105 kilos that I met of course kind of over the years. Um, so of course you're mentioning like Rob, Rob was actually a referee in my first contest. So he, so right off the bat, I, he, and at that point he was, shoot, he was my, he's a few years younger. So he might've been like 19 years old, but he already might've competed like over 50 times. So later that year, he took like second at nationals. And then in 20, 2013, he took his pro card. So right away, I, I knew someone per, uh, personally that again, was, a, was again, the top of one was one of the top, like one Oh fives right away. So of course, um, of course, Rob always led by example. Um, and then I got to meet some of the guys. And then of course I'm actually heading to, um, Russia soon. Um, and I, of course, one of the other competitors who I've, every time I've competed internationally, I've competed with him. That's uh, Johnny Wasisco, um, out of New Jersey. Um, and he's been in, he's been competing for almost 14 years. And of course he's a great role model and he's been, of course, giving me a lot of great advice. And again, a lot of times, sometimes in mindset, um, when we went over hungry, a lot of the, of course, that I learned was of course, being able to compete overseas, but also like, um, cut, cut weight in a certain fashion that, it, that works out way. And that's again, compete, cutting weight for domestically is easy, but then add another step, you go internationally. So we, so I have that coming up in about a week and a half or so. Um, and of course, another individual being, uh, Sean DeMarinas. Um, so he was a four time America's strongest man, 105 kilo. Um, and of course he was great to watch, especially not only just, especially in person, you just, it doesn't matter the event he gamed, um, whatever, of course, contest. And he really, really would always show out, especially when he was at his peak. So he was again, a great influence. And then, um, and of course, and then someone that's probably, I would like to call one of my best friends, uh, would be Anthony Furman. Um, and I think it would just for, of course, the, for Anthony, Hurley, he's a big personality, but I think what, what people don't realize is that he's one of the biggest, uh, work ethics I've probably ever seen. Um, like, especially like his, when he won, the tw- his first like world title. And again, we were pretty close at the time. We originally met in 2017 when we competed in Vegas, but um, I got to see what it took from him in terms of like every step of the way. And I, I would say that pretty easily that he outworked his competition leading up to the event. So it was no surprise that he won five out of six events at that contest because he really worked his butt off, but I was able to see how much he worked. And I was competing in that competition. I realized I wasn't working as hard as Anthony. So again, I, it, I, I, t- I took that all in and, um, but Anthony's been a great friend and also a bigger influence on me. Well, I was going to say something snarky uh, about about Anthony, but it's really hard to because he's just such a genuine, nice guy. We've been lucky enough to work with him at Barband. He's been a contributor, and and obviously, what he did, what he's done to not only as a competitor but as an event organizer to bring the 105s more contest opportunities, prize sponsorships, or prize opportunities. Very, very cool. So, yeah, definitely someone I'm glad you mentioned. And uh, if you check out some old Barband content in in Strongman, you'll see you'll see his face uh, pop up. He's also a really funny guy, I should say. If you ever watch him or like see him at a contest, he's you know wearing like a Hawaiian shirt and some crazy sunglasses. Or no, he he had a different Hawaiian shirt for of course for, for the contest just now, and I think he's just getting started. So I think as of course he keeps prom- keeps promoting, keeps com- but, but will he come back and compete? Uh, he's looking. He's he's been lifting a lot, and you know, of course I've been helping on his press, so we could potentially see him in a contest. I would like to. I want him to come back so we can do a doubles competition one day. Um, I think that, I think that would be fun. Um, uh, there's a few uh, kind of like overseas that they do kind of like a world one Oh five doubles contest. So I think that would be a fun, I think a fun thing um, that we could do potentially maybe later in the year or next year. 
Um, but yeah, again, anything that kind of Anthony puts his mind to, he does, he does a great job. Excellent. Well, it's been such a pleasure chatting with you. If folks want to follow along with you, upcoming competition, traveling to Russia to compete soon, things like that, where's the best place for people to do that? Sure. Um, so uh, on my Instagram uh, at Camby Dude, um, I also have a TikTok that I put on, I put on like d- different content, but sometimes similar, but that's Camby Dude Camby. Um, and of course, um, you can also follow like a lot of my kind of, I also have like a program and a lot of instructional videos on Strengthly. Um, and I, and I think in, coming this summer, I'm, I'm good. I look, I'll have some downtime, um, after my next competition. So the next competition being the Russia world cup, um, or the 105 kilo world cup, which is again, be a lot of, um, competitors from, I would say Russia, uh, Uzbekistan, Kazakhstan, Poland, uh, Czech Republic thing, one individual from Finland. Um, but it's a 12 in total. So that's going to be a great challenge. Um, and then, but I hope to put, put out more instructional videos c- come in the future. Um, and again, I, I, I would say just for, just for myself, I, I would say that I'm a big stickler for technique. It comes all the way back from my, my wrestling days, but I really hope to uh, bring some new technique into the, I would say to the light, especially as that's outside of kind of the main realm of technique within Strongman. But yeah, I hope to, of course, show it in the best light. Excellent. Well, thanks so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure getting to know you. Uh, absolutely. Thank you, David.